vacation Sunday, Paul said, it's my, maybe I am now qualified now that I am a, a father. It was six months ago that Abigail was dedicated. So watching those children and the families on stage um, just brought back some fond memories. And at six months on, as a dad, I have learned a lot of lessons. Um, I have learned just how delicious baby porridge is. Um, I have learned um, how to butter toast with one hand. Baby in one arm, toast in the other. It's use, what you do is you use the baby's feet to hold the toast because you, you, you kind of wipe it off the surface. So that's, that's the technique that I have learned. I've also learned this is revelation. You know the story of the Little Mermaid? I've been reading it to Abigail. You've probably seen the Disney movie. The Disney movie is not accurate to the true Little Mermaid story. If you want to read the, the Little Mermaid, be prepared to be shocked. The real Little Mermaid. It's, it's dark, it's scary, it has an unhappy ending. So just be prepared. The Little Mermaid isn't exactly as did Disney portray. <laughs> but some of you adults in the room, and you know, if you're parents, if you're grandparents, if you're aunts or uncles, if you have some sort of caring responsibility for a child, if you work in education, if you work in kids' church, if you work here, and Whatever it might be, you want, you've probably learned a thing or two about children. You've probably learned a little bit of patience, maybe. Um, you know, to get a little bit mushy, I think I've learned a new level of love, how, a capacity to, to love something completely different to how before having Abigail, um, it's just a completely different sort of love. I've learned how to laugh at a different level, to laugh at the simplest things, such as forgive the crudeness of farts from a baby. <laughs> So sorry to use that word in a preach. Can we edit that out? Um, but, you know, just a smile. A, just that you celebrate and rejoice in the most simplest things. Abigail's waving. It's the greatest news of the day. I've learned how to laugh and celebrate. I've learned how to function on very little sleep. I wouldn't have had that experience had I not had Abigail. Um, I've also learned a new way of communicating I don't know if you, uh, any parents in the room or any people that know children in the room do this. But let's just say, um, example, a couple of examples. Steph is changing Abigail. I'm upstairs. Now, I hear from downstairs something like, Who dressed you this morning, Abigail? Isn't daddy silly? Now, she knows I can hear. And she knows that she wants to get a message across, but she doesn't need to come to me direct now. She just needs to go through Abigail. It's, you know, it's things like, um, <laughs> oh, Abigail, daddy's left his, his clothes on the floor. Do you think he's going to put them in the washing basket? <laughs> it does work in reverse, though. What, at the moment, uh, what we tend to do, Steph's up quite a lot during the night with feeding. Um, I will take the morning sort of 5.30, 6 a.m. wake up and do that sort of that hour and a half, two hours. If I'm tired during that period, I'll do the same. Because if I kind of, I want some help, you know, I'm really struggling, I really just want to go either go back to bed or just get ready for work or something like that, I'll go somewhere near the bedroom, change Abigail, and say something like this, Abigail, isn't mommy having a long lie-in? <laughs> and then the volume will raise something like, what time do you think she's going to wake up, Abigail? 
And then not long after that, Steph will wake up, whether it be subconscious or she's actually heard me, I don't know. But these, these skills, these lessons, I would not have learned had I not had Abigail and had I not been a father. Now, in the Bible, Jesus, um, the way he interacts with children is quite remarkable. It's, it's lovely. I mean, let's not forget, we've just had Christmas. Jesus himself came as a baby. If God had if, if God didn't value children, he wouldn't have had Jesus come as a baby. He'd have come as an adult and kind of kicked some butt and changed the world that way. But no, he wanted the savior of the world himself. If, he was, if God was going to come to earth, what vessel would he use? What structure would he use? Would he use a fully grown adult, a warrior, a king? No, he'd use a little tiny baby. There's a story in the New Testament where Jesus and the disciples feed 5,000 people. Who's lunch? Who did Jesus borrow the pat lunch from? A child. There's quite a few occasions in the New Testament where Jesus is teaching in the temple or wherever. And he would say, bring the children to me. Sit the children here. Let's not ignore them. Let's not chastise them. Let's not um, despise the children. But let's bring them near. So Jesus really, really liked, loved children. I'm going to read a passage. Actually, Paul read it during the uh, dedication um, moment. It's in Mark 9. It's in the New Testament. It's one of the Gospels. Um, and it's, it's a very, it's, it's, it's the kind of passage that is used at, you know, dedication services across the UK, across the world. It's really, really kind of key. And we're going to kind of stay in Mark 9 for the most of this, the next sort of 15 minutes. I'm going to read um, from verse 33. So I'll read about four verses for you today. It says this, they came to Capernaum. When he was in the house, by the way, this is kind of where Jesus was living at the time. When he was in the house, he asked them, the disciples, what were you arguing about on the road? Where there's children involved is there often arguments. I don't know. It's just an observation that just came to me. But they kept, they kept quiet, the disciples, because on the way, they had argued about who was the greatest. Have you ever been in that kind of argument where you, you want to get yourself one up on somebody else? I am the best. I am the authority in this. I am right. You are wrong. We can often do that in the car, on the way to church, wherever we are. We, 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 we may have similar altercations with people, our peers, our family. Sitting down, Jesus called the 12, his disciples, and said, anyone who wants to be first must be the very last. And the servant of all. Jesus at this point is using a child to make a point. I'm going to do the same thing. This is probably the only time I'll ever do this in a message. I dressed <laughs> Abigail, what is your mommy like? Are we all right? I'm not exposing. Yeah, we go. There we go. Then Jesus, as it says, he put a little child among them. Here's my visual aid. Now, Jesus was big on visual aids. <laughs> yeah, this is how I hold Abigail, and I've held her like this since birth. Um, and if you're, you can't see, I basically hold her like a ventriloquist dummy. So at some point, I'm going to pass the microphone to Abigail. She's going to talk, and I'm just, you're not going to even see my lips move. <laughs> but anyway, I've taken time. <laughs> I've only got... 
two minutes now. But anyway, here we are. He took a little child whom he placed among them. Taking the child in his arms, he said to them, whoever welcomes one of these little children, one of the four children that were dedicated on this Sunday, your children, children who are yet not yet even born. Whoever welcomes a child, a little child, in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me does not welcome me, but the one who sent me. Now think about that welcome. If I was to welcome an adult to my house, there's a few things that I would make sure that I had in store. You know, I'd offer them a cup of tea or a coffee. I would, I would maybe take their coat. and I would show them where the toilet is. And I'd have some form of conversation. But really, other than that, that's all you need to do to welcome an adult into your home. But I've discovered as a parent, there's a whole lot more in store. If you want to welcome a child into your home, then there's a whole lot more that you need to do. I'm not sure if Baz and Joe are here, but there was a recent time um, where Baz and Joe brought their two boys around our house to meet Abigail. And we had to kind of, the, the kids took over the whole house. And that's wonderful. The same happened when um, Johnny and Emma's kids came around as well. <laughs> so when, when the children come into the home, it's a completely different sort of welcome to when an adult comes into the home. Would you agree? You have to make sure there's food. You have to make sure that there's space. You have to make sure that the hazards are put away. The knives are put in the drawer. The, all these things that you have to think about. You have to be prepared for a lot more noise and a lot more mess than you would, hopefully, an average adult. <laughs> It's a different sort of welcome. It's a different sort of experience. So when Jesus says welcome, when you welcome a child, think about what's involved in welcoming a child. It's like welcoming me. And not just me. It's like welcoming my father as well, the one who sent me. So next time you have a child around or next time as a parent you are changing a child's nappy, remember actually what you were doing, that servant attitude, that, I mean, you haven't got a choice (laughs) But that, that desire to sort of lower yourself and get messy, you are serving Jesus. You are serving God. I'm going to hand Abigail back because I don't think I can maintain this for the whole message. It was never my intention anyway. But a visual aid. Well done, Abigail. That's your first preach. By the way, I'd like to give a lot of credit to this message, to Abigail and to Steph. I actually, normally when I prepare a message, I sit at a desk and I write stuff down. Most of this message was was. Um, compiled by just staring at Abigail's eyes. Just looking, just, I'm not even like, kind of saying that to be cute. And I was just watching Abigail and trying to learn something because actually I would say, and I would, I would, prove a, I would make a bold statement to say, children are the greatest teachers on earth. They're the greatest teachers on earth and they don't even know that they are teaching you. But anyway, let's move on the message because all this, a lot of what I'm saying is not on my notes and I'm just ad-libbing and I know that time is running away. But I want us to think about welcoming children. I think about the day that Abigail came out of hospital and came to our home and we had to welcome her. So there's three things. There's many, many more, but three because of time. Three things. We're thinking about, okay, if welcoming a child is like welcoming Jesus into my heart, If welcoming Jesus is, is, if I do that, then I welcome the Father. I have access to the Father. I want to make sure that I can learn a thing or two about what it is to welcome a child into my home. So how do we welcome God into our hearts, into our homes? And three things. One is this. Firstly, you prepare your house. 
we had to paint a bedroom. In fact, we had to clear out Abigail's room, or what was a storeroom, the box room, junk room, clear out a whole lot of junk, put some carpet down, paint a wall, and put a bed in it, and make sure that there's room. We had to create space for Abigail, because previously there wasn't space. We had to get rid of a whole lot of junk as well. Um, we had to make addition. We, had to, we actually got a bigger car. We oh, spent our life savings on baby equipment, you know, uh, you know, all the different paraphernalia that you need to have a baby. We, we did all of that. And the funny thing, on, on the day, this is, this is me. I am a terrible, I, I'm not, I don't want to put myself down, but I'm really not comfortable with DIY. Um, the day, so Steph was in hospital with Abigail for about five days. On, on, the, on what we were quite convinced um, that on the fifth day, we would come out and Abigail would be coming home with Steph. So we had that time in hospital. And as a, as a man, as a father, I wasn't allowed to stay overnight. So at 9 o'clock would be my curfew. I'd have to leave the hospital and then come back the next morning, 9 a.m., to see Abigail and Steph. That's kind of how it works at the hospital. The, night, the, the morning of the day, I believe Abigail was coming home. For a while, our toilet door, our bathroom door, had been a bit, it wouldn't shut properly. And it was bugging me. So for some reason, why at 8 a.m. in the morning before leaving to go and see my baby to pick her up to bring her home, did I decide to take it off the hinges? <laughs> Bearing in mind, the reason I did this was because I knew relatives and family would be coming around to see baby and they want to use the toilet. We only have one toilet in our house. What happened was in me preparing for the arrival of Abigail, I completely mucked it up to the point where the door wouldn't even shut. It wouldn't even, there'd be, it'd be a foot gaping wide so I had to apologize to Steph's mum and sister who were staying the next day. That's like the toilet door just doesn't shut. I'm so sorry. The preparations that you have to make for a baby are quite comical in some respect. But also, you have to prepare your heart and your mind and your, I don't know if you can actually for a child, but you try at least to think, okay, am I ready for this? Mentally, physically, practically, spiritually, am I ready for this? Same way how we approach God. If you're not a Christian today, I'm speaking to you is you don't just become a Christian just like that. I mean, you can. But often it takes a bit of preparation. You need to do something in your heart. You need to do something in your home. You need to do some clearing out of the old, the past, the habits and the mistakes and the sin and the wrongdoings that perhaps you've done, the, the wrong thinking that you perhaps think. You've almost got to change your mindset, clear out some junk and put some new um, structures in place. Looking at the Bible, praying. Paul mentioned, if you've not prayed before, pray. There's something that you can add in. Come to church, find Christian friends, love at a different level. And it says in 1 John 1.19, if we confess our sins to him, this is all it takes to clear out the old and bring in the new. If we confess our sins to him, admit them, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, and to cleanse us from all wickedness. If you want to be a Christian today, you've got to do some cleansing and some adding. Out with the old, in with the new. I'm not saying that's easy, but many people in this room have done that, made a confession. I've done that in my, my past, but I'm willing to change and do something new in my future. So that's the first thing that we can do to prepare you prepare for the arrival of a baby. You prepare for, the, for, for God and Jesus entering into your heart. Second thing is 
this. You enjoy his presence. I mentioned before that I just spent a long period of time just looking at Abigail. And that's actually quite a fun thing to do. I never thought I would be doing that. But TV is less interesting than watching a baby just learn new sounds and new facial expressions and make noises and start smelling and all these different things that babies do. It's quite fascinating to watch. I simply just enjoy being in Abigail's presence. Maybe not all the time. (laughs) I'll admit that. Sometimes it's hard and I'd rather just pass it back to Steph and go back to bed. But (laughs) majority of the time, I really, really enjoy it. There's people in this room that actually want to babysit Abigail. because, And there's people in this room, I'm sure, you want to hold the little babies that you've just seen stood up. You want to hold them. You want to be in their presence. You want to smell them and touch them and because there's something about babies. Now, as a Christian, we... When we welcome Jesus into our life, we're not just saying, ticking a few boxes and going through some procedure. We are being in the presence of God. You as a Christian, we talk about not religion, we talk about relationship. You can have a relationship with Jesus just like you can relate to a child. You can have a relationship, a closeness. In, in John 13, one of his disciples, the, the one, one was just so close to Jesus that in an encounter, he just lay his head on Jesus, just, just recline with him at the table. Just that closeness, that intimacy, that, that rest. You can rest in Jesus' presence. You don't need to achieve anything. You don't need to be anybody. You just need to be. That's what it is to be a Christian, to be in relationship with Jesus. God wants a relationship with you. The door is open. We're going to sing a song in a minute about the door is open. God wants you to want to love him. This is what being a Christian is all about. It's not about, okay, Be a Christian because I have to. Jesus wants you to want to be with him and then be a Christian that way. That's kind of the simple, what I'm doing here today, in case you haven't realized, I'm trying to just give some simple truths about what it is that we as Christians believe and maybe give you an opportunity just using, as Jesus did, because Jesus set the example, Jesus would use babies to prove a point and to teach a lesson. I'm trying to do the same, that these children that were on stage earlier, they are teaching me a thing or two about how I approach Jesus. Final thing, and we're nearly done. The final thing that you have to do um, is pay the cost. Those that have had children will know that children aren't cheap. We are already, Abigail's eight and a half months, we're already, after spending our life savings on a pushchair, pram, travel system, unit kind of thing, which I thought would last her until she's 16 and she leaves home. Apparently, they tell me after 12... nine, 12 months, they have to have a new car system, a new car seat. So Amazon or whoever delivered only last week our new car seat, which I thought would last for life. Nobody told me when I was at that sales pitch, they said, this is going to change your life. This is the best travel system you'll ever have. Here's 500 quid. Brilliant. I'm glad it's going to last me forever. No. Nine months later, it's a new set. These children cost you (laughs) a lot of money. And even if you haven't got your own children, you'll understand that you cost when you were a child. But also, if you're an aunt or an uncle or a friend or a relative, you you probably just want to spoil these kids. And and just, you don't, you're not content by not spending money. You want to spend money on children because they're great, aren't they? (laughs) They they don't get cheaper, apparently. Oh, gosh. (laughs) But it's a commitment for life. You can't just think, you know what, Abigail, what we'll do, we'll see how we get on. Nine months in, I'll work out whether or not I'm willing to be your dad. I'm willing, we'll work out whether or not you're worth the cost. And then I'll see if I want to put you through at university. You don't do that because you have no choice. And it's a similar thing with God. Well, you do have a choice with God. 
But it's not like, this is a commitment for life. It's not just a half-hearted commitment. I want to become a Christian today, guys. And then next week, actually, I changed my mind. I know we all go through difficulties and we go through doubts and we go through trials and we go through times where we think, actually, am I right in what I believe? But actually, what we're talking about here is a costly decision. I want to be a Christian for eternity, forever. It may, following Jesus may cost you friends, preferences, reputation, your comfort, your old life. You might prefer to do, I might prefer before Abigail (laughs) how life was then, but I've got no choice. I've now got to adapt and live this way. It's not easy to follow Jesus. The Christians in this room would, would probably say that. Very few people will say it's every day is just an absolute breeze. It's not. <laughs> I don't know why I needed an accent for that. I was in character. But anyway, so let's just read a couple of scriptures and then I'm done. Mark 8, verse 34. Calling the crowd to join the disciples, Jesus said, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Ouch. Take up your cross and follow me. By the way, if you're a Christian and you're thinking, this, I know all this stuff. It's a daily activity to take up your cross, to follow him. You might, be, you might be thinking, well, I've got all this nailed so I can switch off and think about my tea or my lunch. But actually, we've all got to make this decision simply and daily. And then 1 John 3.16 says, we know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. So we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. So what Jesus is asking is not only do you give up your own way for me, but also give up your life for your brothers and sisters. Give up your life for those children. Those parents will probably give up their life for their children. But Jesus is saying, give up your life for your brothers and sisters. Look look at the person sat next to you. Are you thinking, (laughs) I know it's not directly relating to that person sat next to you, but Jesus says, give up your life. I mean, he went to the cross and died for it. He's not necessarily saying that. He's saying, are you willing to lay down your agenda, your ego, your wants, your needs, your preferences, your whatever, and elevate them? Are you willing to come under somebody else? Jesus took up his cross so that you could have life. If we want to welcome Jesus like you'd welcome a child, ask any of those parents, I'm sure they would say, they would give up They would life. They would inconvenience themselves. They do every single day. They, they would, sometimes they don't want to get up early. Sometimes they don't want to have to change the stinkiest, nucleus, nappy going. But it's a decision. It's a decision. And that all it is for you, if you are at that door, you are at the threshold. And the question is, will you welcome Jesus home? In some ways, we we wouldn't hesitate a thought if it was a child. But what about Jesus? Would you welcome Jesus in? To receive or welcome Jesus, we we must give up our old I'm done. Should we get to our feet? I'm going to pray and the band are going to lead us in a song. And Before we sing this song, I'm just going to give you a heads up on the chorus. Two, two of the lines, because they really, they're going to help us, I think. 
We're going to sing a song called Won't Stop Now. And in the chorus, Jess, if you could just flash those lyrics up for us. It says, your presence is an open door. We're talking about welcoming Jesus in. Are you going to welcome him in? Do you want to be in his presence? Enjoy his presence. But as I mentioned earlier, it carries a cost. So I'm going to pray and we're going to lead into a song. Jesus, we thank you for children. God, we thank you for the lessons that we can learn from simply looking into the eyes of a child. Jesus, you came as a child. You were born as a baby. And you welcome children in the most significant points of your life. And God, right now, we just approach you as we would approach a child. God, we make a decision right now to approach you with hearts that are cleansed and room is made for that child to come in and for you, Jesus, to come in. And God, we we just take a moment to acknowledge your presence. And God, we want relationship with you. We don't want religion. God, we want relationship with you. God, that we cannot earn. Your love we cannot earn. You give it to us anyway. And Lord, we also acknowledge the cost. And Lord, we just pray right now for anybody in this room who doesn't know you, God. And maybe they didn't come to church today thinking they'd even consider knowing you. But God, perhaps something that has been said or sung or a moment this morning would cause them to to see that open door and allow you, Jesus, to walk in.